Well, good morning. I want to welcome each one of you here this morning to Paradise Valley Christian Church. What a joy to come together as the body of Christ. And if you were not here last week or not online last week us with us, Man, we missed out on a, just a, a great, joyous Sunday as we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so thank you for being uh, here this morning as we continue to celebrate that. It's not something that ends on Easter morning, but it's something that throughout the course of the year we continue to encourage one another and challenge one another in when it comes to our relationship with God. But what, a, again, a, a joyful time last Sunday to be together as we celebrated Jesus coming back from the dead. And uh, we're starting a new series now, uh, it's a four-week series, I didn't mention it last week because I kind of forgot as all the extra things going on, uh, but we're starting a series called Finding Your Fit, Finding Your Fit, and it is from uh, a series that we did at a fall fling that I did, a, a spoke at about two years ago or so, and so if you were at that fall fling, this is going to be like a refresher course for you, And but most of you most likely were not at that, and it is kind of designed uh, to gear towards junior high and high school, which I don't know how many of you that fits into that category, I personally am. Yep, Dennis, all right. And uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at as well. And so hopefully it connects with you this morning and over the next four weeks as well. Uh, at Fall Fling that day, I uh, introduced myself and kind of gave a little history on myself. And I'm fairly new here, and some of you are fairly new here, and so maybe you may not know too much about me. And so I just want to quickly highlight a couple things. One is I'm married to Autumn, uh, and her her maiden name is Berlin. So if you don't know that, she was uh, the second oldest of Larry and Udonna Berlin. And uh, we've been married almost 20 years in July. It's coming up on our 20th anniversary, which is crazy because I don't even think I am 20. I feel like I'm like 15 still or so, but yeah, uh, coming up on 20 years in July, and we have eight kids. Uh, by the way, Autumn is on staff here part-time doing our children's ministry stuff. We have eight kids, so if, if you don't know, if you're taking notes, you need to write these down. Uh, it, it is helpful to write stuff down, but our oldest is Bailey, and then it's Brinley, Bodie, Briley, Brady, Bria, Brooks, and our nine-month-old is Berkeley, so you can kind of, by height, that's kind of how it goes down there, and so uh, uh, that I am blessed beyond measure, and uh, as a family, I, I share a little bit about my family, because as a family, uh, at times during the year, we, we put puzzles together, and we try to find the fit for these different puzzles, and I don't know if your family is a, a family that enjoys putting puzzles together, but this morning as a family, we're going to put some puzzles together, and in fact, uh, I'm going to grab over here uh, a couple puzzles. These, these puzzles are the exact same puzzle. I got them out of the packaging to this morning. Uh, I got them yesterday. They were, I was drawn to this specific puzzle because it says, Hello, Autumn. All right, so, so hello, Autumn, and uh, that's my wife's name. And uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a couple guys on the spot, uh, two of our elders this morning. Uh, so Paul Marvel and uh, Brian Wing, you're going to kind of come up and help me. And these guys are going to compete to see how quickly they can put these puzzles together. And we're, we're not going to be here for an hour, so what the, what the challenge is, the exact same puzzle, okay, all right. And so they're already open, the plastic, you can open up the top so you can dump them out when you're ready. Um, and the plastic's already been taken out, so the challenge is, yeah, when, yeah. <laughs> the challenge is, is to put as many pieces together as possible, and they have to be actually 
supposed to be together. You can't just cram them together. It doesn't have to form the actual picture. So like if you have two random pieces that are together, that counts as two, all right? So I don't know if I explained that first service very well. But you just have to put as many pieces, connect them together the best you can in a two-minute video that we're going to show of a 40,000-piece puzzle being time-lapsed together. All right? So you guys ready? Ready. Understand? Oh, and we got some big prizes here this morning, all right? So we got... It's this top-notch prizes right here, all right? Okay, so it's, it's for all the candy, all right? On your mark, get set, go. Anybody put a 40,000-piece puzzle together before? Me neither. I, that would take some time, I would think. This is 24 pieces right here. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, I think it says for five and up, maybe. <laughs> yeah, they're doing pretty good, doing pretty good. First service, I think the most pieces together was 16 pieces. <laughs> How much time left, Hunter? About a minute? About a minute. All right. Finding, finding your fit. Trying to get those pieces where they need to go. All right. Coming to the end, I think you have about 10 seconds, 10, 15 seconds left. <laughs> Paul's taking Brian's pieces. <laughs> All right, hands up, hands up. All right, let's give them a round of applause for making the effort. Wait, 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 I, we got to... All right, so over here we have one, two, three, four, five, six. No, that's not. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. All right, so Brian wins by the skin of his teeth. <laughs> All right, good job, gentlemen. <laughs> Yeah, you actually connected the hands together this week. All right. <laughs> Been practicing. And I, I, I wanted that competition at the beginning of our service, in the beginning of this series, so that it reminds us of this idea that, you know, all of us play a part. All of us are pieces 
in, in the plan of God's puzzle as, he's, as this life continues on. And again, we, I, I mentioned that we love puzzle growing up. I remember my, my mom would get a puzzle out at Thanksgiving or Christmas. And, of course, you put it out on a card table. And then you, if you didn't get it done quick enough, you'd have to, like, slowly scoot it off onto something else. So you could use that card table at the mealtime, right? And, and there's just this, this joy of coming and, and accomplishing something like putting a puzzle together. And, and the neat thing that I really loved was to see, again, all the different pieces, all the individual, just like that, that video, 40,000 different pieces shaped differently, all with different images on them. But when they come together, it's an amazing picture of how God uses every single one of us as part of his kingdom work. So during this sermon series, I want each and every one of us to come face to face with the reality that each and every one of you are an important piece of the puzzle. Not one piece is more important than the other. We all might go in at different times or we might bring a different image to light by connecting together. But no one is more important than the next person. We all have a vital role to play in the work God has for us. And so I want you to find your fit. Find your fit. And in order for you to truly find your fit in this puzzle of life, I want you to realize that you need to begin with this idea of you need to find your fit in Christ. That's where it starts. If you're out there and you're trying to figure this whole life thing and this God thing and this church thing out, and you don't start by getting into Jesus Christ, allowing him to wash over you, to be clothed by Christ, then, then you're missing it. And so that's why we're starting this very first week is this idea of finding your fit in Christ. Will you pray with me as we begin? Father, this morning, our desire is to be pleasing to you. Our desire is to allow your Holy Spirit to work in us. And again, there are those here that have been followers of you for a long time, and yet there are those here that are brand new. They're trying to figure it out, and so if there's one here even this morning that needs to find their fit in you for the very first time, I pray that they would seek that out in their lives. They would allow for your Holy Spirit to guide and direct them, and that your word, the Bible, would encourage and challenge them in this area of their life. And so, Father, this morning, may you use this time to bring honor and glory to yourself, and it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. In 2013, uh, we began the process of getting certified to be foster parents in Nebraska. And it was an interesting process as you begin and find out what sort of things you can have in what sort of cupboards and making sure certain cupboards lock and what kind of the layout of your house and beds and windows and all that stuff and went through the whole process. We took courses and had classes and, and we finally got certified and, and we were excited to see how God was going to use us in having an impact in the lives of kids that were struggling in families and, and how it, we could help families be drawn back together and come back into relationship with one another. And, and because we already had five kids in our house, uh, at the time in Nebraska, they only allowed up to six kids in your home 13 years and younger. And so there are very few times where we got placements. A lot of times we got respite care uh, placed in our home, and, and we would spend time investing in those kids for just a short time. But a lot of times they would have sibling pairs, and, and so because we already were almost maxed out as far as kids go, we couldn't take in a ton of kids. But 
we look forward to those opportunities to invest in kids that came into our home. And in 2014, we got a placement of a two-year-old blonde little girl into our home. And uh, she, she came from a, a rough situation, a situation where at a, at a very young age, uh, two years old, she, she was found just walking the sidewalk out at 9 o'clock at night uh, in the neighborhood, and, and her dad was passed out drunk, and her 9 and 11-year-old uh, siblings weren't able to watch her very well. And, and for two years, we watched as this little baby girl tried to deal with going and living in a perfect you know stranger's home a family that she know, knew very little about and then having to visit her dad at his house and trying to figure out what's going on and and all that went into that and her mom was out of the picture and and during those two years you know her her dad he just couldn't get his ducks in a row he tried he, we were hoping that she would be able to go back to, to his house, and, and yet uh, all the different treatments and things that he worked hard at, uh, he just couldn't ever get his ducks in a row. And so it came to a point where in Nebraska, after a couple years, they either want them in a permanent home back with their original family, biological family, or into an adoptive home. And so in 2016, after praying a lot and thinking a lot, you know, we baptized Excuse me, we adopted, which is similar to being baptized, but we adopted Bria Rosa Charlotte into our family. And uh, Bria is now eight years old, and she is number six in our count off when we get into a, our van. And when we leave a, a location, we say count off, and Bailey says one and two, and down the line, she's number six of eight. And I just can't imagine living our life without her. And for the longest time, it was really interesting. Because she would, and maybe you've, some of you have had this experience with her, at a younger age she would go up and introduce herself and she'd say, Hi, I'm Bria, I'm adopted. Like, you don't have to lead with that line, do you? You know, I was like, is that really? And it was, it, I didn't quite understand it. I didn't understand where she was coming from for sure. And, and then as I began to think about that and think about God and my relationship and I thought about the fact that that's part of her story. That, that's something that she actually is proud of, to be adopted into our home. It's because she went from a broken home of neglect to a home of love, hope, and a place where she knows that she'll always be taken care of. And by no means are we a perfect home. In fact, we make a lot of mistakes. But the fact is, is that in our home, she knows that she's going to be cared for, that we're never going to leave her, and that we'll provide for her. And she knows that she is valued and loved. And as we kick off this four-week series called Finding Your Fit, there may be some of you here that are feeling completely out of place. Out of place in this world. Maybe you're struggling to find your fit in your home. Maybe you're struggling to find your fit at your workplace. Maybe you're struggling to find your fit at school or you're struggling to find your fit maybe a part of the youth group or struggling to find your fit even within the church body. And it's not easy to find your fit. In fact, my family and I moved here 
you know, 21 months ago, and there's some aspects of our life here in Casper that where we found our fit, but then there's other aspects that we're still trying to figure it out and, and find our fit and where, we, where we're going to fit in. And I, I want each and every one of you today to know, without a doubt, that you can find your fit in Christ. As these guys were putting these puzzle pieces together, and specifically first service that I, I looked over, Nathan List had two pieces together, and they were connected, but they didn't match. They, they weren't the right pieces together. And I wonder, for us, as we're looking to find our fit, are we allowing God to direct us? In order that we're where we need to be. And if you don't get anything out of this week's message or the whole series, please hear this. We all need Jesus. That's where, that's, that's the foundation. That's where it starts. And in order to truly find your fit in life, you have to find your fit first in Jesus Christ. And if you're willing to surrender your life to Jesus and say, Jesus, take the wheel, you know, Kelly... No, I don't. Carrie Underwood, yeah. Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah, that one, you know. Oh, let her sing it? Okay, all right. But if we let Jesus take the wheel of our lives, the Bible promises us that we can be adopted into the family of God. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1, if you want to turn over there, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, says that very thing. And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, because I, I enjoyed the way it said it. First, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, the NLT, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting to think about this idea that Jesus, God, ahead of time, had this idea that he wanted to adopt us. And it was through Jesus Christ. And, and it goes on, it says, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure, even though it required the sacrifice of God's only begotten son, Jesus. The one, the only one of his kind, it gave him great pleasure, and, and I don't think it means that it gave him great pleasure to send Jesus to the cross, to have to, have to suffer and, and, and go through pain for us. But I think what gave him great pleasure was to know that we now have a way. Now we're able to be adopted into his family. Each and every one of us have the ability to choose to be adopted into his family. If we're willing to die to our old selves and to live a new life in Christ, when we surrender ourselves to God, we find our fit in the identity of Christ. We really begin to come into who we were created to be when we find our fit in Christ. And there's a, a cartoon growing up that I would watch called Lambert, the Sheepish Lion. I don't know how many have seen that cartoon. Okay, all right, it's an oldie but a goodie. And on this cartoon you have the stork coming in the spring to bring the sheep, the, the moms, their baby lambs. And, and, and they, she unfolds the, the blanket and the baby lambs all take off and go to the mama sheep. And, and all the moms have a new baby sheep maybe lamb with them, except for one mom. She doesn't have a sheep to go 
with her, and she's upset and sad. And, and, and yet there's one more animal in the, the blanket that the stork brought. And the, the stork's trying to get this, this baby lamb, but it wasn't a baby lamb. In fact, it was a baby lion in and so he's trying to get, whoa, is, this is a baby lion. And the stork's trying to figure out, what did I mess up on? And it's going through the list. And he, he figures out he's made a mistake. He's got to get this lion to the, to the right mom. But by that point, Lambert has already made his way to the mom that didn't have a baby lamb. And they've already connected. And there was no way this mama sheep was going to let Lambert go. And so the stork takes off. And Lambert's life begins with the sheep. And as time progresses, Lambert's growing up, and he's figuring out that he's not fitting in. He's not really finding his fit with, with the, the herd of sheep. In fact, the sheep, the other young sheep, the, the lambs, are making fun of Lambert. In fact, that they don't really, they, he's the, kind of the butt of all their jokes. They're always making fun of him. He's not really fitting in. And even into adulthood, Here's Lambert the lion, huge and big, and yet he's the sheepish lion because all his life he's been made fun of. He's never really fit in until one night, and we're going to pick up the video of the cartoon here. One night the sheep were fast asleep. Lambert woke up with a fright, for he had heard an awful sound. found the flock. Lamb's fate was petrified. saw this gruesome sight and heard his mother crying, something snapped inside of him. He was a raging lion. mother is so proud and the sheep have changed their tune. It's when Lambert really understood who he was and who he was supposed to be, that things completely changed for him. And I wonder about how many of us need to really understand that we are found to be in Christ. That's 
where our identity should come from. And when we really grab a hold of that in our lives, man, we can do amazing things for the kingdom of God. It changes our thinking and the way that we look at this life. And I thought about this idea that we will never live up to our true potential until we acknowledge that we are a child of the king. Until we really understand of who we are in Christ, we're never really going to live the way that God has called us to live. And in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, all the way down through chapter 4, verse 7, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it says, You are all sons of God, and of course it means girls, ladies, daughters, okay? You are all sons or daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he is subject to the guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons or daughters, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. And if you notice, the heir spelled H-E-I-R. Someone that is looking forward to an inheritance because they are within the family. And yet for many of us, we look at ourselves as E-R-R-O-R, don't we? That, that we are in error a lot of times. That we make mistakes, that we mess up, that there's no way God can love us. That there's no way that we can be forgiven of what we've done. And yet, God says, all you got to do is be willing to receive the gift of grace. It's through Jesus Christ. Again, someone that, verse 4 says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, Jesus, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons or daughters. All of us have the full rights at our fingertips if we're willing to receive that and be adopted and become children of God. And as children of God, we have an inheritance to look forward to. And just yesterday, oh, it was exciting to hear that Samantha Owens, just yesterday afternoon, committed her life to Jesus, was baptized into the watery graves of baptism came up a new creation in order that she might also now have the same inheritance that we have to look forward to. And, and I just want to share Samantha Owens' baptism. I, I wasn't in town. Paul uh, has been working with Samantha and, and Nate, and they just recently moved from California, and it's been neat to see how God is working in their lives. And so here's Samantha's baptism from yesterday.
Amen. Let's give God a round of applause. That's what it's about, seeing people that are outside of the family being adopted into the family of God through a decision that they make to say, hey, it's no longer me that lives, but it's Christ who lives through me. Finding our fit in Christ means that we have to find our true identity in Christ. And so again, if you're taking notes this morning, I'd write down, hi, I'm adopted. At least I pray that you are. That you're adopted into the family of God. And, and because of that, you have an identity that completely should change your life. In fact, I just want to show a quick video on this idea of identity in Christ. Who am I? Am I what I do? An artist? An accountant? A teacher? A mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student? An MVP, a winner. Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint? A sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace His identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all He has planned for me. God calls me His child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me his masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, who am I? Are we listening to God this morning? Or are we listening to the world and all that they think that they are saying about who we should be? And I pray that we're listening to the God of creation, the one that gives us purpose and meaning in this life. When we understand that in Christ, our identity is all about Him and what He wants from us. It's not about our mistakes or our failures or the things that we don't love about ourselves or this or that, but it's about what does God want to do in and through us, and our purpose in life changes, and what we used to think was so important no longer is important. I don't know if you've experienced that, but I've experienced that. I, I remember as a, a teenage uh, boy, seventh grade, seventh graders got to go to a, a dance, okay, and there's two dances. There was a fall dance, and there was a spring dance, and man, I was, I was thinking, man, that would be fun to go to these dance and, and hang out and, you know, get my, cut a rug type of thing, and so my dad said, well, you know, that's fine, dances are okay, but we're, you're only going to go to one dance during the year. You can either pick the fall dance or the spring dance, and I'm like, you know, I had a very delayed gratification wasn't really in place in my life yet, and so I'm like, well, fall, because it's the beginning of the school year, and so I go to the fall dance, and I have a good time, and uh, we dance, you know, the way, as junior high dance, you know, like this, right? 
Okay, and so we're dancing, it was fine, and it was, and so, but the year progressed, and you know, as a seventh grade stud muffin that I was, by the spring, I had a girlfriend, right? And so I'm thinking, oh, great, I'm going to get to go to the spring dance, and I'm going to get to dance with my girlfriend for the very first time, and I was all excited about it, and my dad said, no, you already went to the fall dance. And I'm like, yeah, but I have a girlfriend now, so I'm going to go to the spring dance, Daddy said, no, you agreed, one dance, you said the fall, and man, I was upset. I just thought it was so important that I go to this spring dance so I could dance with my junior high, seventh grade girlfriend. Guess what? 20-some five years later, it had no bearing on my life if I went to that dance. And I guarantee you there's things in all of our lives that we just think are so important in the moment. That we just have to make sure we're there, we have to do this, or we have to do that. And in all reality, 20, 25 years later, it doesn't really make any difference if we did that or didn't do that. And so my question is, are we doing the things now that are going to have an eternal impact in our lives? Or are we, are we only doing the things in this life that are going to have an impact 10 weeks from now, a year from now, and then eventually Jesus comes back and it all gets burned up anyway? See, our identity and who we are impacts our choices. And as a Christian, realizing who you are in Christ makes all the difference in the world. In fact, from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, if you want to turn over there, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's who you are. You're not who the world says you are. You're not who your parents say you are. You're not who your spouse says you are. You are who God says you are. And God says that you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And he also says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, God, honor God with your body. You see, we're his temple. We're to be used by God to bring honor and glory to him. And when we live our lives in selfishness and thinking, well, that's what I want. This is, this is the way I want it to go. Then, then we're missing out on who God really is calling you to be in Christ. And it's when we find our fit in Christ that our lives take on a true meaning and purpose. And all along, we have this picture of the bo on, the, on the puzzle box of what the puzzle is supposed to look like. But until we choose to put the pieces together in the right places, the, the puzzle doesn't really come together and create its true form. And so if you are outside of Christ, maybe you're like Rapunzel. And I'm I, sorry, sorry for all the cartoon references, but I have a lot of kids in my house, all right? But maybe you're like Rapunzel this morning. If, you, if you've seen the new Rapunzel, new meaning long time ago, but new, newer, in that the storyline is, is a, of a young girl 
you know, stuck away in, in the tower, and her whole life is in this tower, and yet all along she knows deep down inside of who she is that there's so much more to her life than just being trapped in this tower, confined to it. She knew her life had meaning, purpose. She knew that she was made for so much more than just being confined to that location. And I wonder for us, how many of us kind of have that mentality that maybe as, like Rapunzel, we're living a life, but we're not really living the life God has called us to live. Knowing that there's something more, and the reality in Rapunzel's life was that she was a princess of the king and queen. And the reality in your life is that you are a prince, or you are a princess of the one true king, God our Father. And your life can be so much more when you surrender it to God, allowing yourself to be adopted into God's family and define who you are as someone that is in Christ. And so will you, will you today choose to be a new creation, a chosen people, a holy nation, a special possession of God? And if you're already found if you've already found that fit in Christ, are you allowing that fit to really affect how you live? Or is it just compartmentalized as your church box and it doesn't really change who you are? And so as the praise team comes this morning, I, I want you to think about where you fit. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look at this idea of finding your fit in the church Finding your fit in the world, and I'll explain more about that. And finding your fit in kingdom work. But where do you fit in? We're going to sing a song of invitation. If, if you haven't found your fit in Christ yet, then I would ask you to please come as we sing. Because you will never live up to your true potential until you acknowledge that you are a child of the king. Will you stand with us this morning?